Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 20% off your new account for six months, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP11. Welcome to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. This week here in the U.S. is the Thanksgiving Day holiday. So instead of doing our regular roundtable discussion, we've got two insightful photographer interviews for you. All that coming up in episode 229 of This Week in Photo. Okay, first up, I speak with photographer Eric Doggett. Eric is an Austin, Texas-based photographer who believes there's humor in everything and believes it's his photographic mission to seek it out. Sometimes his shots are captured in one frame, and other times they are composites. Okay, I'm here with Mr. Eric Doggett. He's a editorial and commercial photographer. He's based out of good old Austin, Texas, and he has agreed to come on and chat with me about editorial photography, obviously, and what it takes to be one of those kind of photographers in today's competitive landscape with all this other stuff that's going on. And Eric is amazingly plugged in. You'll find him on Google Plus and any other you know, number of social networks. Um, but he somehow manages to do all that while being a stunning photographer. So Stunning as in his work is stunning. I don't know if he, you call him stunning if you look at him. <laughs> so, Eric, welcome welcome to This Week in Photo. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me, Frederick. Glad to be here. You're, you're, you're welcome. Okay, let's start it off. For the, folks, for the folks that are listening to this that may not know who you are, I gave a little bit of an intro, but you've got, a, you've got an interesting story as to how you made your way into editorial photography. You came by way of shooting brides, right? So yeah. Take us through the, the beginning. Oh, sure. Well, um, uh, my wife and I, we moved to Austin in um, 2002, and uh, I had my hand in a bunch of different little things. I was doing some web work. I was doing uh, music work for uh, independent films and commercials here in Austin. And um, around 2005, like like a lot of people, you know, we I kind of got my, my feet wet with photography when we had our, our first son, Brandon. And um, shortly after just taking some pictures... Uh, of him, um, I kind of fell into this wedding thing. It was a friend of a friend kind of a deal. They weren't going to have anybody shoot it. And, uh, and, and they asked me if I would uh, come photographic. So, uh, I did that and, um, I got into, to wedding work kind of like the way that you're not supposed to in that I didn't assist anybody. Um, I just kind of went mm. straight in shooting it. Um, and you know, I, I, I kind of went and a lot of photographers, I think do this when we get into it, it's like, a we go through this mode where it's like, I want to soak up as much information as I possibly can, you know, as soon as I can. So I had stacks of books in my room and I would just, you know, read them and watch videos and, and go to websites. And, and at some point it, it kind of clicked. It was like, okay, this is now I get how to operate this thing. Now I need to go do stuff with it. And, um, it yeah. became a more of a, of a, of a, it's kind of a subjective thing than, than objective, at least in my mind. I had kind of worked out the, the technical part of it. And so um, I shot weddings from 2005 till uh, last, uh, let's see, the last wedding I shot was 2010. And uh, 
they were kind of like a playground for me um, in, in a sense that the most fun for me out of the whole wedding was uh, like the 10 minutes I had with a couple or 10 or 20 minutes to go do something with them. And yet in my mind, I was spending a lot of time to get my 20 minutes of fun. I was, you know, eight, 10 hours, you know, to get this, this 20 minutes of fun. And, and during that fun, I was, I was really kind of going a little over the edge in terms of like bringing out little lights and trying fancy tricks and taking multiple shots of the same scene and compositing them later and, and kind of like not the traditional stuff you see at weddings. Um, and so around that time, I had some uh, friends here in Austin that uh, were involved in um, some local magazines. And after uh, like a year or two, um, I had the opportunity to go do a shoot for them. And as I started to do more of those, uh, to me, they, those became even even more exciting than the weddings because here, here it was, I was being hired to kind of design a, uh, an image or come up with an image in my mind and, and set out to make that. And it was like, what do I need to pull together to make that? that work. And at, at the end of it, I had, you know, that kind of product, if you will, that, that image or those series of images. Um, and, and that became really appealing to me, uh, pretty quickly. And so, uh, I started doing, um, lots of editorial work in town and that also led to some, uh, commercial work as well. So it was, it was this weird kind of a trade-off. And I always kind of say that I'm, I'm going against the grain in the, in this respect that, uh, I know a lot of editorial, um, and commercial photographers are adding weddings in to supplement their work. And to me, I only really want to do it if I can uh, go the other way, if I can get hired to kind of concept ideas and go shoot those um, as opposed to, to doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Cause you, the, the one thing that I, I noticed from a lot of photographers, it's like, you know, they're, they're uh okay they, they get bitten by the photography bug and it's like it's like a couple of uh, different ways it might go they either get bitten by the photography bug and they just want to go shoot everything whether it's cats or roses or whatever you know and then they that's it they just end up spending a lot of money on gear and prints or whatever and you know that becomes the hobby the the acquisition of gear is the photography hobby it's like okay yeah. i'm gonna get this new thing and then i'm gonna go shoot this i'm gonna go get that new thing oh if i get those lights then i can do this you know but it's not about the, I mean, in some degree, it's about the art. But, it, you know, for a lot of people, it's not about the art in particular. It's about stuff, you know. And, like, yeah. David Dushman, a friend of mine, a photographer, always talks about, you know, it's not about the gear. It's about the vision, right? Yeah. And so how, so bringing it back to you, bringing it back to you. So you you went from, you know, you, you went, you're in the, the wedding photography world. And you made the transition over to editorial. But when you're in that wedding space gear is not cheap you know no. <laughs> how did you how did you fund how did you fund all the stuff that you needed in order to like start being a business person well i mean th that's the good thing about the wedding side is it is a um a career path in photography that you can pursue if you've got some other job going on so at the time i was uh, <clears throat> managing a development team for an e-commerce site and and i had that job when when we were living in i was in washington dc and then we moved to austin and so when I moved here, uh, I had the option to work out of the house for that. And so uh, that gave me a lot of flexibility to uh, not only pursue photography in terms of, um, uh, you know, getting a camera or whatever, but, but also being able to 
work for a while and then, you know, take a break and go try a shoot idea or something like that and kind of balance mm-hmm. that. And, and that, that is a plus on, on the wedding side is that you do have that, that option, um, of working on weekends. And there's some very good wedding photographers. I know that, that, um, have, uh, jobs during the week and then create absolutely amazing work, you know, on the weekends. Um, yeah. Why did you, why did you move away from weddings? I mean, why, I mean, when I when I was considering, I don't do weddings now, but when I was considering doing weddings and I shot a couple of them, I pulled out my spreadsheet and I plugged into it, you know, if you did this and you did that and you could theoretically make this much money. So all you got to do is charge, I don't know, you know, 5000 a wedding yeah. and do two weddings a weekend and you are <laughs> buying your Lamborghini, you know, <laughs> that was... And you know, conservatively, Frederick, if you shoot one wedding every weekend, that's five thousand dollars every yeah. weekend. You know, notwithstanding the expenses and all that stuff, but yeah. it seems like pretty good money if you're if you're good. And that's oh, five grand. Some of the photographers I know charge multiples of that. Yeah. So why why move out of that lucrative sort of area into editorial? Well, it's and this this gets to the whole um, the idea that that you hear a lot in 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 photography circles or in education in general is that you have to really kind of narrow in what, what you want to do. And what I did at one point was I brought a consultant in and, um, this is a, a couple years ago when I had, when my website was split between here's my wedding work and here's my kind of editorial commercially type stuff. And she looked at that and, and she looked at, at both. And even though her background was, was commercial, she looked at both galleries and she thought, she asked me where the humor thing came from. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, you know, you got these, these images here on the commercial side that have this kind of little humor bent. And you actually also have them on the wedding side in, in terms of those are the ones I was showing. And that to me was a real eye opener that, that I actually really enjoy anything with humor in it. And so um, yeah. when I started moving into commercial and, and editorial, I even even now I'm trying to hone it even more. I, I really want to be hired to do something funny or something with a little, you know, dark sense of humor to it. Uh, that's, that's what will really get me excited. And I've had a couple of other shoots where it's like, we want you because you did this on your side and we think that's hilarious and we want to do, you know, something similar. Um, but that's about as narrow as I can get. I want to do, you know, commercial shooting <laughs> with, uh, you know, with lights and, and have some sort of humor aspect to it. Um, and and that's how and tell I a story, of, right? I mean, yeah. yeah, it's 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 telling the story. It's telling a little bit about me because sometimes these are shoots that, uh, like, some of the images on my side are are just personal work images that you know I'm sitting in the in bed and I had this idea. Well, what would happen if if a cat could surf the internet and he he knew how to look up how to open the door, but he couldn't understand what he was looking at in the instruction. You know, so I was like, I would come up with a shoot and I'd tell my wife about it. And she's like, okay, whatever. And then I was like, no, 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 this is really cool. I want to, I want to go do this. So I would, you know, pull people together to go, to go create that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Tommy Hilton is one of the the listeners, viewers, I don't know, what would you call people that are look at, <laughs> looking at a, <laughs> a live video stream like this? But Tommy Hilton's in here, and he just posted a question a couple minutes ago. And I'm going to click this Take Question button and see what happens. Look at that. Audience question. He wants to know, how do each of us just define editorial photography? It's an ambiguous term. I agree. Yeah. So we'll give it to you, Eric. How do you yeah. define editorial? E- editorial for me is when I'm, I'm getting hired by uh, a publication to 
create images that go along with the story they're already trying to tell. So, um, for example, a lot of the work I do in town is for uh, Austin Women Magazine, Austin Man Magazine, little kind of local publications like that. And uh, they would tell me that their feature story is about person X and I need to go, um, you know, when I go shoot them for that. And uh, they would actually kind of wrap it up. But a, a lot of the, at least the ones here in town, they'll do a, a shoot, which could run a couple hours. And then they'll do like an interview now, which is kind of kind of like the new thing for their website or whatever, like a little video. And uh, and I would have some involvement with that as well on, on some occasions. But uh, that's to me what editorial, it's, you know, it's like a magazine, which you think of like traditional magazine uh, photography. Um, it's also... I'm also kind of constrained by it. There's not a lot usually I can do with those images because the people I'm photographing aren't necessarily giving or aren't signing a release. They're, they're working for the, you know, with Mm -hmm. the magazine and I'm kind of being hired with the magazine to go do that. So, uh, it's not like I can, um, you know, go take some image of somebody famous in town and go put it up on a stock site or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. The way I would define editorial photography, um, it's editorial, right? So, which me- which means you're telling a story. So, I'm not an editorial photographer, but from the outside looking in, the way I see it is, okay, someone says, hey, Eric, we need a way to illustrate that the new, I don't know, Lexus 123 car is the best and most comfortable car on the planet, and our brand attributes are A, B, and C, and we have this much money, and we want to stay away from these political issues make us an image and it's going it'll be on a two-page spread in time magazine next month you know so totally you as the artist take that editorial direction and create the art for it and that's that's the way i see editorial photography i don't know if it's true or not but that, yeah <laughs> that's the like, way i would take it anytime you're getting hired by the the publication not necessarily and not hired by the um the person you're photographing yeah yeah exactly Okay, so uh, I'm going to drop this question. Um, so the next thing on my list is, okay, so you move from the wedding world into editorial. Now you're, you know, you're in Austin. You're the big wig hotshot photographer out there with all those cool guys, you know, Trey there's Ratcliffe. All there's those, a, yeah, those there's lots cats. of cool guys in Austin. <laughs> I feel like I need to move to Austin. I'm you do, like, actually. California, yeah. you know. Yeah, Trey and I were we were in a hangout I last hear night. Real actually. estate is much cheaper there than it is in California. It, it, you know, it was, and and because we looked at California when I was uh, when when I was getting out of the Air Force, I was in, at the Air Force at the Pentagon, and we were um, looking to move. And I had started doing the film scoring thing. I was ready to go to California, and uh, my wife looked and I we looked at uh, at home prices out there. And we're like, there's just no way. And so she suggested Austin because she's from Oklahoma, and we came down here like five times before we decided to move and. Uh, and I don't think we could live anywhere and else. And now you're stuck. We are stuck. We are. That's awesome. I will be buried here. Well, tell me, tell me about that. So you were, you're, you're somehow related to me now because we were both in the Air Force. So yeah. tell me about your Air Force career and the Pentagon and all that magic. Yeah, yeah. So I was, um, uh, went to school down in Florida, and uh, uh, became a second lieutenant out of college. And uh, I did what they don't do anymore, which was uh, I got assigned to the Pentagon as my first assignment. So. Uh, a lot of times, wow. um, you know, these, these people come out of, uh, out of, uh, like an ROTC program or some sort of, um, officer candidate thing, uh, will, will get an assignment that's kind of like a base life thing. And then eventually they might end up at the Pentagon, but I got sent there first and the dropout rate for second lieutenants who went to the Pentagon for their first assignment was somewhere in the 60% range. 
You know, it's like you're you're working at a desk. You've got a guy that's working for you, and your four years comes up, and he's like, "Hey, just just come work for us, and you know, you can stay, and you'll do the same job, and uh, you'll make twice as much money, and it'll be great." And so I was like, <laughs> "Sure, I'll do that." So um, I, I did that. Yeah. So I was there from uh, let's see, ninety three to ninety eight uh, as as a lieutenant, and then I was there from ninety eight to o two as a contractor, and uh, basically doing eight years of the same job. Which is enough to you know wow. kill anybody. That, that sounds exciting. <laughs> yes, I, I knew every shade. So, of so you of you passed the Y two K. You passed you passed the Y two K mark. I actually there, right? well, I read I, in your bio or somewhere. Well, I, I, I want to hear about that. Tell me about your Y two K adventure. Okay, so Y two K is approaching, and everyone's freaking out that uh, everything's going to you know crash. And uh, at some point, my boss asked me to draw up the the uh, do a little logo for something about Y2K. So this is like Photoshop. And, and this is how I got into photo. I was into Photoshop before I even got near a, a lens for probably seven or eight years uh, because we were, they were training us to, to use Photoshop. They thought it was going to be like the big, you know, multimedia thing. And so it was like version three was, was when they introduced, introduced us to it. And uh, they're like, well, just let's drop something in there. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but okay. So I, I drew like this little, uh, uh, like the letters Y2K with like a little earth planet, a little star behind it. And then the next thing I know, this is like the official logo for the federal government for anything that's like Y2K approved. <laughs> and not knowing anything about what I was doing, it's it's screen resolution, 72 DPI. And they're printing it up. And I'm like, oh, that is just, it looks horrible. And, you know. Uh, and got, your like, name this, was on it, right? My, well, no, my name wasn't on it. No, it wasn't on it. But I got, I got my little plaque, which was nice. And uh, there was a. I remember because uh, uh, Bill Clinton was president at the time that there's some shot of him uh, standing in front of a wall with like that logo just repeated all over it. And uh, I bought that photo oh, from the, no. the guy that took it. And uh, that that was my claim to fame there. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So then so then why were you why you so you you that was the military time that was like before all this stuff. And then you're you switched. When did you make the switch from? from weddings into your particular style of editorial slash commercial photography? Well, I started shooting the editorial and commercial stuff back in um, 2000 and probably eight or nine, somewhere in there is when I started getting into it. And I started to build up that, that uh, image base. And then probably last year was uh, uh, the last time I, I, I did a wedding and, you know, I, I still will have people ask about weddings and I will still, you know, show them, my work, if they're, if they're interested in it, it's just not something that I promote. Like, like a lot of photographers that they'll, they'll still entertain things that they're, um, that they've got an interest in because, you know, if, it, if a certain type of bride walked through, I, I would, and it was right up my alley and they were like, well, we actually are doing something really fun that, you know, that, that kind of works with what you do. Then, then I would be all over it. Cause it's all to me about the, the style and the humor that's in my head. And that's, you know, not necessarily, who that client is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at the, the, the some of the things that you've done here. Um, just this year, you had a, a master class at WPPI on location and lighting. Um, tell me about that. And, and what's, what's your particular like flavor towards that? You mentioned humor before, but how do you approach things like that? Not so much the master class as an instructor, but you know, lighting and, and composition in general, how do you build a shot? Um, well, I, I've, uh, I, I was, like I said earlier, I was really getting into um, reading books and studying what people were doing. And, 
you know, with, mm-hmm. with digital, the ability to, to, to put a light there and see what it's doing and say, okay, that's not working. And I just need to move it a little bit, take another shot and, and work through that process has been, is really helpful. I mean, you, you get to a point where you set up a scene and you're like, I know this is not going to work and here's why. And, and sometimes it does work or something magical happens and you're like, oh, that's, I, I totally don't know what I'm talking about. But a lot of times you, you get to a point where you understand what the, what the details are and, uh, and you work from that. The, the, the class with the WPPI was, was kind of funny because I looked at all the classes they were doing. I was going to WPPI every year for, for a couple of years and um, I had really kind of gotten into compositing. That's probably like my new thing over the last couple of years. And so I kind of uh, pitched it to them was like location lighting and shooting for composite photography. So, you know, I talk about the lighting part and then I get into this kind of compositing discussion and how I do certain things. And the questions coming back were, okay, but I've got a bride and I want to change out the the skies. And I'm like, no, 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 that's, I mean, yes, you could do that, but that's not what I'm really talking about. Try to, you know, <laughs> create something in your mind and going to, you know, shoot that, not, not necessarily just uh, adjusting images that you've already shot or something like that. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So now, now let's fast forward to today. Now there's this this new thing that you just started. It's called uh, Photog TV or Photog TV, right? Right. Um, tell me about how what what was why why was that service slash site incepted and what is it? Sure. Um, what it started uh, just probably, I guess maybe a month or so ago. It hasn't it's really yeah. relatively new. Uh, what it was was uh, there's another photographer in town here called Dustin Meyer. He's a good friend of mine. He does really amazing um, uh, wedding work and uh, seniors, uh, lots of senior work and, and and some portrait work as well. And we had just been talking off and on about, oh, wouldn't it be great to do like our own sort of podcast show? Because my focus is kind of commercial work and, and compositing work and his focus is on the wedding and senior side. And and so we had just kicked it around back and forth a lot of times. And, and to be honest, it, you know, Frederick, because a lot of it was inspired what you guys with what you guys are doing with with this week in photo. Um, that, that we're just big fans of that. So we thought oh, some some way we got to figure out how to do our 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 take on it. And uh, mm-hmm. when the when the Google Plus thing happened, um, it was interesting at first. But when when the, when the Hangout feature came out and and people started using that, that really kind of got our our. Um, kind of creative juices flowing to see if there's a way we could leverage that to, to bring people together to talk about photography. And there are lots of hangouts mm-hmm. g- going on on Google all the time. I could probably find one right now where people are talking about uh, photography, but we wanted to approach it from the perspective of we're in the room and um, we're going to have a topic that we want to talk about and, and bring people in. And sometimes uh, it's just whoever happens to come into the room and other times we have one or two other people that we've invited in ahead of time so we can have some level of, of interaction um, over over a topic. And so uh, once we decided, oh, let's do that, we did a little test. And I took, um, for the test, I took this this image that's it's, it's on Google+, Plus, but it's not on my website. It was a little kind of joke image I did for, for Matt Klaskowski over at um, the National Association of uh, Photoshop Professionals. Uh, he had just yeah, come out with this book it. on... He'd, he'd come out with this book on compositing and uh, and I'd helped him a little bit on it. So I thought, oh, it might be funny if I did this shot of like Spider-Man uh, kind of sitting on the side of a building, reading this book and having his camera ready to go and just kind of hanging out. And so uh, I did a little breakdown of that image for um, 
for Hangout, and we recorded it as a test, and it went over really well. So uh, we were just like, okay, we're, we're going to start this next week. And so uh, we started recording it. Uh, it's every Thursday at uh, 12 o'clock Central, and, and whoever drops in is free to drop in, which is kind of the scary part about it, to be honest, because Google Plus has no functionality for uh, kicking people out of rooms or anything like that. So... I think at some oh, point, right, you could get hecklers in there. You could get, heck, I mean, you can mute them, but they can unmute themselves as soon as you push the button. They can, they can undo it. So, oh. um, it's oh, yeah. it's kind of like we're we're kind of like okay, let's just see how long we can go until you know someone stands up and pulls their shirt off. Yeah, or I, I think you'll you'll probably be fine because you're not doing anything that's that's remotely related to po- like politics or anything. Yeah, that's <laughs> you, right. If you do a, some sort of political show, you're that's you're right. trouble. That's right. <laughs> Come come talk about what the yeah. problem is with everyone else, and then we'll get to, uh, we'll get those kind of people in there. But um, exactly I, the first show we had uh, it was just kind of like an introduction show, and um, uh, Trey Ratcliffe came in, and um, RC Concepcion came in. Uh, it was either the first or the second show, and then uh, yesterday we were doing a show on kind of like client relationships. That was the topic, and uh, uh, Douglas Saunders, he's a good friend of mine, a great commercial photographer, came in. And offered his input on, you know, what he's been running into working with with clients. So it's kind of cool. We think, you know, it might have some legs. It's just uh, it's just going to take us kind of feeling out what what the direction needs to be and what adjustments you know we need and and how to run something like that. Yeah, Eric, I'm just wondering why I have never been invited to one of these. Oh, you know, actually, well, we have you it. on the list, actually, because I, <laughs> as soon as uh, you and I talked about the interview, I was like, I told my friend Dustin, I'm like, okay, and by the way, I'm, we're going to get him on here as a, as a little reciprocal <laughs> thing, so we can figure out some really gonna, cool no, questions. No, I'm going to come in. I'm going to come in and lurk and, and heckle and You're ask just all kinds of weird <laughs> questions. <laughs> what is this? We guys all, you guys are horrible. <laughs> Exactly. What do you think about the uh, the elections? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> just yeah, throw old monkey wrench in the whole thing. Yeah, that's right. Just totally throw it off. And I have no idea how we would. Yeah, I don't know how we would handle that. That would that might just totally throw us exactly. off. <laughs> so let's so back to photography. So you're um, you know, taking it back to commercial photography, or not so much commercial, but compositing. So which is I love that kind of stuff too. In fact, I, I a year or so ago, a couple of years ago. I was pushing around the phrase that pixels were born to be punished. Absolutely. You know? And so l- looking at like this wet canvas of thing, I know it's exciting because you can like, okay, now I can create the pieces of Frankenstein that I need to create my monster. You right. know, I just go out and make them and then put them all together. So like for the, for the folks that may not be familiar with compositing, thanks, Martin. I just saw your comment down there. Martin's asking, what do we think about the election? <laughs> <laughs> So for for the folks who uh, may not be familiar with, with compositing, what's the general flow? Is it you just shoot a bunch of things and throw it on layers and erase things or just take well, me like basic of Yeah, of there's compositing. two schools of thought on this because I, I come from the perspective of I'm trying to be very um, kind of controlled in terms of, of how I go do it. Like I, I like to plan it. If I'm going to do something, this is these are the elements I need and here's how I'm going to go shoot it and here's how I'm going to light it. And there are other photographers out there um, that will um, kind of wing it. I mean, you can look at like Annie Leibovitz's work. Um, there's there's been some videos on YouTube that are when you look at the resulting image, it's a composite shot because there's 15 people in the shot or something like that, and yet they show her shooting a group of three at a time. And so I looked at that and thought, well, how how is she doing that? Because she's just sitting there on a chair holding a camera, 
she's not, I mean, there's no real measuring going. She's not keeping it on a tripod to keep everything set. And uh, so there's that kind of, that kind of school thought, but, but I tend to get really particular about it. And it was uh, something I, I had talked about in that class in Vegas where I'll sit down and say, okay, if, if I need to shoot this, um, what's more important? Sometimes the, the subject is more important and sometimes the background is more important. And, and I have to figure out mm-hmm. which one of those I have to do first because that's what I'm going to base everything else on. So um, to give you an example, I do a lot of uh, Christmas card work every year for uh, for clients that are, and it's all, almost all of it is composite work. It's, it's a little extension of my humor bent. So I had this website um, called austinchristmascards.com where I, I create all these things and, 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 uh, and, and do them for clients. And so um, I'll do, for example, one shot on there was a family that wanted to be inside of a little Christmas village piece. You know, they're like those little porcelain things you buy that like people put all over their house at yeah. Christmas time. There's like 800 of them and they got lights and cables and not saying that I have any yep, experience yep. setting those up every year for like a week at a time, but it's these little tiny things. So they wanted to be inside of that. So I looked at that thought, okay, well, what's really important here is that image in terms of the background. Um, that's going to define how I shoot them. So got a macro lens, pointed it at that thing, lit it the way I wanted to and shot it. And the three things I always keep track of when I'm doing those is, is, is uh, how high is the camera off the ground? Uh, what, uh, what is, what angle is it at? And, and the easiest way is to be head on. But in this particular instance, it was pointed at an angle. And then um, how far away is, uh, sometimes it's either how far away is the camera from the subject. Um, but in, in this instance, it didn't matter because uh, uh, it, the, the idea scale didn't, didn't matter for this shot. But anyways, I, I took that info and yeah. then, uh, I came back with okay, well, I've got to shoot. I've got to shoot these people at um, with this lens, and I've got to shoot them uh, with the camera pointed down about 15 degrees. And the reason I, the way I got that number was because uh, I used a little level. So the iPhone has like these little level apps, and if you just set it on top there where the hot shoe is, it'll tell you this this camera's pointed up or pointed down. Um, and so I use yep. that for just to to figure out how to um, how to um, line them up and. When I go through that process, um, it, it usually works out pretty well. I mean, it's uh, I've, I've done that a lot, and I've I've got it I've got it down pretty good. So uh, I tend to be the yeah I tend to be the, the measuring guy. I'll be like, okay, this subject's about six That's feet cool. away using this lens. Um, even if, for example, I've got a frame. If I'm going to shoot a wide angle image, and I need to add something in that's going to be let's say on the far left side. I'll shoot them on the far left side inside inside the frame so that they get the distortion that that you would expect them to have for being on that part of the that part of the frame. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So meticulous. It's it's meticulous. <laughs> Sometimes you can wing it. I mean, you, there's always a yeah. little bit of wiggle room where if it's not perfect, uh it it's so you can still sell it. And that's the idea. You either want to sell it completely so people think I'm not quite sure how this was done or were they really there or you can go the other way and be totally off the wall composite everyone knows it's a composite it's that middle ground that you want to kind of avoid because you know no one it's hard to tell whether you're really competent or you're you're not but you 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 know you're experimenting or whatever it's like retouching right like when you're when you're retouching a model or someone the idea is not to look like or have her look like she was retouched. It's right. the idea is to make it look like you weren't even there. You're a photographic ninja. You need yeah. to get in there, 
do your thing and get out and no one should even know you were there. You, you, you came just get in, in the middle of the night. Job. That's right. <laughs> exactly. All the you time. came in the middle of the night, killed some pixels and you took yeah. off. Ate some cookies and drank some milk and you yeah. left. That's right. There, that's it. Yeah, the photographic Santa. There so here's another question. Uh, Martin, Martin's in the room. Um, he says, uh, does Eric use any lighting on any of his shoots or are they all natural or ambient light? Um, I would say most of the time, I'd probably say 80, 90% of the time, uh, I do, I do bring lights. The times that I don't are if it's, if it's an editorial commercial job, you can kind of tell the vibe they're going for may not require it, or it may not work well with it. And I will also shoot, you know, kind of natural light stuff. Uh, I've also done, I've, I've messed around with not using lights on, on composite work before when, when the background image was say, um, overcast something like that mm-hmm. and i really yeah. make an effort to 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 help sell it more by resisting the urge because i have a big urge to break out the lights you know on the on the on a little whim just to just to get that little punch to it so i, I would say probably 80 percent of the time yeah. i do um and 20 percent i either don't or do some ambient light shots as well got it got it um speaking of what what sells and what doesn't how do you how do you get your clients like, are you, so you're a working commercial editorial photographer, which presumably means you're invoicing people uh, to pay for that home theater that I'm looking at behind you. Right <laughs> so how, how, yeah, how do you get the clients to, to pay for that stuff? Oh, well, it's, um, you know, the, the, the client, and, and I do talk about this a lot that, that, um, some of my relationships have taken, you know, years to develop in terms of, uh, take for example, uh, like one of the. Uh, magazines I mentioned earlier, Austin Women. Uh, I I fell into that because the the editor of that magazine and I were on a film board, uh, on like a an advisory board of a film group in town. For let's see, so I was when I was doing the music thing that was uh, 2002, and I probably shot for them first around 2006, 2007. So uh, she came in on maybe 2004. So a couple of years, like two to three years, of just being friends and you know talking to help. Um, to build that relationship. And uh, it was was a process that uh, once it got started, we did, gosh, 13 cover shoots together over uh, a couple years. And so um, it's, it's a lot about, it's a lot about building relationships over time. And then it's also about reminding people that you are available because when it's, when when it's time and somebody needs a photographer for something, they're like, "Who do I most recently remember talking to that can do a great job?" And let's get that person in here. Um, so, and how do you, how do you stay top of mind? I mean, are you sending postcards out? Are you like email? You have an email list that you send out ticklers to every now and then. How yeah, do you, like how do you a stay lot of top the, of mind. Um, like a lot of uh, photographers will use like the two big ones are AdBase and um, Agency Access as far as. Um, uh, mailing list and that kind of thing. And then on the, on the editorial side, it's, um, it's a lot about like meeting people and kind of establishing a rapport with them. So I always think, yeah, I can send a me- an email to somebody, but if I can get an opportunity to have three minutes or five minutes with them, I, to me, that's always paid off more than, than email. Give me, give me an example of that. Give me an example of that. So you're you're at some cocktail party or something, and you're like, "Hey, by the way, 
I'm a commercial photographer. If you ever need any work, yeah. you know, I, I could not do that. No, you that couldn't guy. do that. I and couldn't he, do and that. You shouldn't, and you shouldn't do that because I, because <laughs> Frederick, you will not get anywhere. No, because uh, what, what, I, what, <laughs> well, I mean, I <laughs> what I mean by that is um, uh, making yourself, it, it's, it's photography is like, a, it's a community thing in terms of you're having to, you're working with people for people. And so I am big on putting myself out there, not just at photography mixers and, and, and those types of events, because those are important conferences and things like that. But putting myself out there mm-hmm. where there are people that eventually might need some work. And, and they can be other creative types. Um, it could be, I don't know, you could go to like a local uh, event for people that are involved in, in ad work or graphic design or some sort of, some sort of creative uh, pursuit. Or become part of um, uh, social organizations. Like uh, our family is is really involved in Austin in the um, every year in the the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. We're part of the the chapter here, and I've met people through there. It's it's almost like you can succeed by um, becoming a part of your community and not just mm-hmm. sitting. You know, if you could sit behind a desk and and build a business, I I would have already done it. I would be the Richard Branson of the photography world because. <laughs> That's I, I've been in that trap and I still find myself in that trap where it's like I need to get out and do something because sitting behind the desk isn't isn't gonna make it happen. Um but yeah. you can send emails like I, I've gotten to a point lately where I I'll shoot videos in my house and send those. So if I if there's somebody I want to work with, I could send an email, but it's I've I've gotten a little bit better results by sending them an email that says, Hey, my name's Eric Doggett, I'm a photographer in Austin and here's a little blurb about me, but rather than type all this out, I've actually made a video for you. And so I'll send them over to a YouTube link or something. That's like just me in my office saying, Hey, you know, Susan, my name's Eric Doggett. I'd love the work you guys did with this. And here's the stuff I've done lately. I'd love to swing by and say hello and and introduce myself. And it's kind of like getting these people over that initial initial hurdle that, okay, is this, is this guy like a freak? Is he a stalker or whatnot? Okay. No, I've seen him on video. He seems likable. Let's, uh, you know, let's talk with him. Right. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, I've heard from some internet marketers that the, you know, the the all important about page on websites is more mostly people you go to a photographer site, you're going to go, let me read about him to see if he's insane or not. Yeah. Um but people are starting to input or put video on those pages instead of the volumes of, hey, this is how great I am. You just put a video there and you just kind of talk about who you are with a couple of texts and you know, links and a couple maybe a paragraph about you and yeah. You know, you go from there. I think that's much more personable. I've, so, and yeah. I've done that um, a couple times, The uh, probably two or three different videos I've done over the years. And I just put the latest one up um, uh, a couple, uh, maybe a month or two ago that was just that. It was like, here is, you know, a little text bio about me, but also go over to the intro video section and I'm hear a little bit about um, my approach to things and, and why I'm thinking certain things and what I'm trying to do and the, the type of work that, that I enjoy rather than reading the words because a lot of photographers have the words. I mean, never, I can go to any site and, and I always joke that I'm like, I did not start shooting when I was three. And because, and that's a little joke with me because that's what I see a lot of times on photographer side is ever since I got my first, you know, brownie camera when I was six years old, I've been shooting ever since then. And I'm like, that is not me. That is not me. Yeah. You know, one thing that came to mind um, with the using video as a mechanism to to be more personable or personal um, with your prospects 
maybe consider doing video testimonials as well from some of the clients that you've worked with and having them record a, like a minute or two of, of why they liked working with you and how you hit it out of the park and that kind of thing. Yeah, Things like that. Because you see on these sites all the time, they have the testimonials and the little quotes, you know, which anybody could have written. Right, you know? right. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, the George Bush says, you know, Eric Dog is the best dang photographer <laughs> in Austin, you know. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, you can prove it, right? But if you see some video of George up there saying that, then you'd really, you know, there you I don't go. know, you yeah. could drive business away from you <laughs> or to you. I don't know. It's totally, yeah, totally depending so, on who's looking at the website. But uh, I, I like that exactly, idea. Exactly. I think uh, some, some wedding people I know have done that and um, have built cool. little little vignettes of the whole of the whole wedding and put that up there, uh, you know, purely as marketing. So I'm I'm a big believer in that. I'm my problem with it is with video right now is is uh, not going too far over the you know in terms of the production and trying to figure out how can I do something without having to hire people to come manage all these different aspects because uh, it is it is a holy it's a totally different beast it's like a different lighting uh, sound is a big thing who's focusing all of those kind of things um, uh, Vincent Lafrey I went to one of his sessions at Photoshop World this year and. I was the DP for, for one of these class things. And, you know, he's like, okay, who's gonna, you got to have your, your guy focusing and who's going to move the camera down the track and who's going to do all these different things. And you're like, we're just trying to get one scene of a girl walking into the room, standing next to a table. And we spend 30, 45 minutes working on it. And, uh, you know, it still wasn't, it still wasn't that great. So it's totally, it's a totally big thing. A lot of photographers are, are moving into it. I haven't gotten to the point yet where I'm ready to say I now do video in addition to to photography um, on that scale because it's so involving. Yeah, there's a there's a what did I I called it? I think I called it on a show once that um you know there's video there's a whole like a year ago it was at fever pitch you know you got to get into video photographers DSLR you know now it seems to be dying down a little bit and coalescing the people that really need to be in video are doing video and the folks that aren't understand it but aren't throwing their hat into the ring to do it um and the the phrase that i coined was emotion sickness so (laughs) so (laughs) it's you get motion sickness is when you when a regular traditional still photographer kind of feels the pull to shoot video even if he doesn't really need to be shooting video you know this guy called that kind of motion sickness it was one thing they're like okay i love video i'm gonna go out and shoot it this is awesome i'm gonna be the vincent laferre i'm gonna do all this cool stuff and i'm ready to make that investment investment and money and time to do that but just because you just bought a camera that shoots hd video that doesn't make you doesn't mean that you have to use it you know is what i was saying it's in some ways it's like the new kind of uh the the gear heaven or whatnot. So like after you've gone through the process of uh, of going through all the gear lust just in photography, and then you're like the the video thing comes up. You're like, oh look, I need to I need to go get a uh, uh, some sort of multi track recording thing. And ah uh, yeah, I probably should get some continuous lights and uh, and uh, I do need a steady cam. I don't I do need you know. You, so it's like you you can go yeah. through that process of of, of, of experiencing oh, it God. all over yeah. again. Every everything expands with video right with 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 still photography you're like oh man i gotta buy a big hard drive and you know more bigger cards and that kind of thing with video now you're talking you know yeah (laughs) you want to talk about eating up hard drive space and then backing up that 
stuff and then delivering, you know, so it, 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 it's a commitment. It's definitely it's a, a commitment. commitment. So speaking of gear, yeah. I was going to say, speaking of gear and that sort of thing, you know, a lot of people, photographers generally want to ask the question, what are you shooting with? And so there's two, the two part question, what are you shooting with? What's your, your mm -hmm. camera body of choice when you go out and do one of these jobs? And then B on the post-processing side, what are you post-processing in? What is, what's your, your digital asset management software of choice? Sure. Um, so I've been shooting with, uh, with Canon forever. I, I, I don't really have any, any knock against Nikon. I just, I just never really used it. Um, but, uh, my primary camera right now is a 5D Mark II, and uh, then I have a uh, another 5D as well. It's kind of like a just a backup, and um, I, I've I've been really interested in shooting um, some medium format work, but I just haven't come across the job yet that requires it or or they're gonna you know pay for it or whatnot. Although I've I've kind of added it in on a couple estimates just to see if uh, if that's something that, that I can work with. But but primarily right now it's a it's a 5D Mark II, and then on the lighting side, it's all of the um, the Zeus lighting from from Paul Buff. So uh, those have you know it's like like mm. all of this. It's a it's a plus and minus. I got those originally because I wanted to go out and just uh, make the sun in the middle of the day this tiny little speck in the sky, and I was like, I need the most watt seconds I can get for my money, and so yeah. I went with that, and I got the power. I gave up, you know. A build quality compared to other ones and i and i also gave up um kind of good control over over temperature of the lights and that kind of thing but for the most part i've had those for for several years and right. that company has been really good if, if something breaks and it's broken a lot where i've just like something's fallen over or i yanked on it or whatever they're just like i'll oh, send it in and they fix it um it's been a really good company to work with that's great, and, and then, those are the guys that are be they're behind White Lightning too, right? Yeah, so it was like uh, it was like uh, their their tiers were uh, the the Alien Bees uh, Lightning or Alien Bees kit, which is kind of like their their entry level stuff, and then they had White Lightning, and then they went to Zeus, which is kind of like a it's it's a higher power thing, um, and now they've got things like the Einstein, which don't give you the power that I have on the Zeus side, but they give you much better color. Uh, more consistent color, and I know that like on the on the Zeus lights, I can have two lights um, change their color. If it's like at full power, it's one thing, and if it's really low power, the color is something else. And so I have to kind of take that into account a little bit. Um, but but I've I've loved working mm -hmm. with them, and 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 I would highly recommend it. There's a lot of friends I know that 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 swear by them as well. Uh, on the on the production or on the post side, uh, Zach Arias had this post a while back that was just an awesome post about working with large um, sets of images where before I would import everything into Lightroom and then I would wait and I would kind of work through them that way. Mm -hmm. And he had this post about doing like a little pre-edit with um, Photo Mechanic because that particular software is so good at showing uh, like JPEG previews really fast. And uh, I started trying that and it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it really kind of cut fast. the, it's, yeah, it's blazing fast. It really cut the production time down. So, I'll use that to kind of edit what I want to uh, work on and then import those into Lightroom. And, and um, usually from there, I'm always ending up in Photoshop. I, I hardly shoot anything that just stays in Lightroom. Um, so that's kind of the, the gist of yeah. how I do the, the production. 
All right. So let let's leave it at that for the for the the interview piece of this. Let's but before we we end this piece, um where can people go to find out, you know, the stuff that you're working on and and follow you? I, mean, I know you're going to point me to Google Plus, but you know, where where would you like people I'll just slide it in. Well, let's see. Well, I got a couple different sites out there, so <laughs> yeah. Let's see. The first one, uh, my portfolio is uh, doggettstudios.com. So that's D-O-G-G-E-T-T studios.com. Uh, I mentioned the the Christmas mm-hmm. card work. That's um, austinchristmascards.com. And I've already done a couple of those for, for this year. So I got some families that are on the ball for their, their Christmas cards. Let's see. On uh, uh, Twitter, it's Eric Doggett. And then uh, as far as Google+, Plus, it's Eric. What is it? It's Eric G plus. Yeah. E R I C G plus.com. Send you right over to my profile. And then, Oh, nice. You're, Oh yeah. I'm all about you the, are using the URLs like a champ there. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. If I got, if I got paid on like buying domain names and then doing nothing with them, I would, I, <laughs> I'd be doing pretty good. Cause I've, <clears throat> I have a little habit of collecting domain names. Um, I think when, uh, that's cool. When that's windows cool. Vista came out, it came out, they announced it on, like, I don't know, six or seven at night or something. And I snagged a bunch of domain names, like right off thinking, I'm going to do all this stuff. And then they just sat there. I sold one of them, but it was just a big exercise in, in futility. Yeah. Well, sometimes you, sometimes you get back to them and you use them. Sometimes I do. But so the, yeah, well, they, we will, uh, we'll put the, I just one more I wanted to mention was, well, the other one we talked about was photog.tv. That's the new one. Uh, that was the name I had for a while and finally found something to do with. So uh, we post those shows there every uh, every Friday. Uh, yesterday's show is posted up there, and you can you can check those out and uh, give us your thoughts and jump in the room and heckle us too. All right, perfect. Well, thanks, Eric, for coming on. Sure, thanks for having me. That was Eric Doggett. If you'd like to check out Eric's work, just head over to his site at doggettstudios.com. That's at D-O-G-G-E-T-T studios.com. Before we continue, I'd like to thank our sponsor. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. If you're new to web publishing or a veteran, Squarespace has a feature set that is sure to fit your needs. They've got an easy-to-use UI for creating your online presence, and the service is optimized for both beginners and and seasoned pros. And if you're having trouble with, say, inspiration, they've got hundreds of design templates that you can use as a starting point and then customize it to fit your needs. The list of things you can add to your site goes on pretty much forever. There's a blog module that includes support for importing or exporting your blogger or WordPress site. There's Twitter, Flickr, and other social media widgets that you can use to bring your other online presences into your new site. There's Google Maps, website tracking, the list goes on and on. For a free trial, just head over to squarespace.com. You don't need a credit card. Just sign up, try out the service. And if you like it, use the offer code TWIP11 on checkout to get 20% off your new account for six months. That's squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP11. Okay, next up, I speak with Ryan N. Hughes. Ryan is an acclaimed and award-winning motion picture director and portrait photographer based in Toronto, Canada. His motion picture work is centered in exploring new imaging technologies and alternative production methods. 
Ryan N. Hughes is an acclaimed and award-winning motion picture director and portrait photographer. He's based in Toronto, Canada. His motion picture work is centered in exploring new imaging technologies and alternative production methods. He was a commissioned filmmaker for the 2010 Vancouver Winter Olympics, and most recently he partnered with the National Film Board of Canada to develop an interactive art project. Ryan, welcome to This Week in Photo. Uh, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, yeah it's a, a pleasure to have you on. With, with those kind of credentials, how could I not have you on? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's yeah. very nice. Yeah, that's, it's great. So let's just start. I gave you this a quick intro so folks kind of know who you are. In, in your own words, describe just kind of how you, you, you jumped into the photography business and, and why you're still in it. Sure, sure. Um, well, in high school, uh, I, got, I got really into uh, video art and... Um, was shooting on a high eight video camera, and um, this was kind of pre Mac editing software, uh, mm -hmm. pre iMovies. So, um, you know, I was shooting a bit on film actually, but a lot of it was just through I don't even remember the system, but it was a very weird uh, kind of like box editing system that you'd hook up to a TV. Um, and I was doing a bunch of stop motion stuff with painting, I was doing an art class, and um, and uh, then I ended up at uh, Ryerson University uh, in Toronto, Canada, their School of Image Arts and focusing on cinematography. Mm -hmm. And um, then just over the summer, picked up a 35mm uh, SLR camera and uh, um, so got a lot of books from the library and just kind of taught myself the basics. And um, when that summer ended, digital started to become pretty affordable, so I ended up picking up uh, my first digital camera. And um, yeah, that just kind of set me on the path. and. Kind of ventured into photojournalism for a little while, and uh, was lucky enough to get into the Eddie Adam the Eddie Adams workshop. Nice, yeah, uh, I love that workshop. Yeah, it's pretty incredible, and that that kind of opened some doors. Uh, I was assisting a bit for Vincent Laferre, and uh, then had an internship at the Globe and Mail in Toronto, uh, and then just freelance started picking up, and uh, then I kind of drifted back into film work, and I've really been combining my knowledge base of uh, the the two uh, two mediums ever since. So where would you say you are now uh, creatively in terms of, you know, what's your, what's your signature style? I'm looking at your website and I'm, I'm looking at a, this, this Crump 360 from your 360 project video. Um, what, what defines Ryan in Hughes? Um, I think what I'm most recognized for at this point um, is, is building the moving image with the still image. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so RGB Move uh, was probably the first bigger project uh, that I did shot in that style. That was uh, it was a commission uh, that I received for uh, to create an art uh, film project for the uh, 2010 Vancouver Olympics, and uh, that was shot completely with still photographs and uh, strobe lighting. So um, it was shot at 10 frames per second burst mode on the Canon 1D Mark III at the time. Mm -hmm. Nice. So is this so that the the combining motion would still just for folks that, that may not be try may not be able yeah. to visualize it. That's Absolutely. kind of like in the Matrix, right? That one scene where they do the bullet time kind of around Neo. Is that is that a good yeah, yeah, that, that's 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 pretty much uh, very. It's pretty much exactly the same process I use for the 360. Um, the previous the previous projects, like people have referred to them, kind of as stop motion. Um, which, which gets people thinking in the right direction because it is made up with stills, but um, I kind of compare it to um, if you're shooting consistently 10 frames per second on a digital SLR, it's like shooting an old film camera where you just set um, your, your camera speed to be 10 frames per second. 
um, kind of kind of almost like using a um, an older 16 millimeter camera. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, uh, Charlie Chaplin's films, those things were shot at like you know 16, 18, 20 frames per second. Everything seems a little faster. Um, so that's that's I guess the work that I've been doing has been influenced by cinema as well as photography yeah. quite a bit. So take me take me through the gear to do this. I'm looking at one of the shots that that kind of a behind the scenes shot that you have, and uh, I see a ring of cameras and some brightly colored people in the middle of them. So <laughs> sure, sure. Um, tell so me tell me how you do this. The image that you're looking at that is uh, from the 360 project, and um, that particular project was funded by a Chalmers Arts Fellowship, which I received uh, from the Ontario Arts Council. Um, so it was a six-month program of work that I had designed and proposed and uh, received funding for. And the, uh, the basis of the fellowship was to explore um, the structural elements of the moving image. So um, for me, the fundamental structural element of the moving image is a still photograph. Mm -hmm. Moving image is just uh, a sequence of still photos uh, in a row. Um, so for this project, uh, I was really captivated with the idea of freezing a single moment and being able to view it from 360 degrees along an axis. Yep. Um, and uh, I ended up approaching a company called The Big Freeze. Uh, they specialize in this, this, uh, this technique, multi-camera setup, time slice. Um, they've been around for quite a while. And um, I, I proposed what I wanted to do. And uh, the, you know, they were pretty supportive of the idea. And we ended up coming together a couple months later um, so that particular image, I, I don't see it in front of me, but uh, the dancers that I worked with uh, were from the uh, National Ballet School of Canada mm -hmm. and uh, from North Buck Crump. Uh, I wanted to kind of work with two very distinct and separate styles of dance, um, but, but try to capture uh, some similarities and then definitely the contrasts uh, in the two art forms. Yeah, so how just, just looking at this, it, it looks... For me, it looks overwhelming in terms of there's a lot of complexity going on, but I, I would imagine a lot of it is step and repeat, like you said it, and then move to the next one. But it, like technique-wise and setting things, I want to talk about that a little bit. But I also want to talk about cost to do this because a lot of people that are listening to this are like, they're they're going to go to your website, they're going to like, wow, that's cool, I want to do that. How do I do it? And then they need to pull out the wallet. So how much, <laughs> how, much, how much would you say that that one shot that we're talking about here costs from soup to nut to put it together? And how, what was the duration of it? How long was the, the end result? Um, this, this was a project uh, that I would say occurred over about a six-month period. Um, there was a lot of stops and starts and uh, several projects going on in the background. Um, or the foreground, rather, while this was, while this uh, had a lot of uh, technical issues that had to be sorted out. I guess the, the, the whole point of, of uh, the Chalmers Arts Fellowship, which I received, was to explore and push uh, new directions yeah. uh, with, you know, with the creator's medium. So um, for me, I, I knew that there was going to be a lot of technical things we had to sort out along the way. Uh, and that just, you know, came, that was, that was part of, of the process. Um, in terms of costs, I mean, we were able to bring it down substantially. Um, we had a lot of, uh, you know, in-kind donations uh, as, as well as people deferring payments. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's uh, ev everyone involved in the project was definitely compensated. But, I mean, the fact that this was an art project and not a commercial yeah. uh, endeavor 
um, you know, people were, were understanding in the terms of, you know, that they, they were excited about this idea. I know that the Big Freeze guys, for example, um, they've done hundreds of these projects. They're, you know, pioneers in their field, uh, but they had never worked with strobe light in these systems. And we were experimenting with multiple exposures in 360 degrees. Yeah. And, you know, for them, they just got excited about that. Um, so obviously all costs had to be covered, but um, I think a lot of people were just interested in, in, in seeing what we could do with this project and having fun and experimenting. How many, how many DSLRs did you have in that ring and what kind were they? Uh, they were 48 uh, D700 Nikon cameras. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I believe they were all uh, 28 millimeter fixed lenses. Nice. Wow. That's a... Uh... That's a lot of money. <laughs> so how would it, how would the normal, the average Joe that's like, you know, I want to do that, but I want to do it on a, you know, Ryan in Hughes minus, you know, 99% scale, you know, how, right. Right. how would the amateur or the, the everyday Joe do something similar to this? Well, um, I mean, you can do a lot of clever things. I mean, there's people that do 360 degree imaging, um, with one camera and they just set it up uh, you know on a fixed ring uh, and rotate it around a subject uh, they're just meticulous a lot of people do that um, with with products or still objects um, there's a lot of things you can get away with uh, you know if you're clever using software and you really use your head uh, I mean this was definitely the largest project I've undertaken to date um, and you know I mean there's there's some great things about about going big in terms uh, of gear, but it also slows you down. Uh, we had a total of maybe five hours of actual shooting. Um, our setup and tear down and 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 all that probably was a day and a half. Wow. Um, it, it's you know it's quite a bit of a process. So I mean it's sometimes a movie set. yeah, I feel like yeah exactly <laughs> it's exactly it's it's combining a lot of you know uh, film film set and then photo set mentality and uh, you know sometimes it pays to work light. Uh, you know, and have have a very mobile system because that's going to allow you to to get uh, you know more content. Um, you know, but for for this case and for what we wanted to do, um, you know, I was, I was happy we went the route we did. But I, I don't think people should be turned off at all um, by the scale. Yeah. Uh, you know, in in the past, I mean, growing up, um, I didn't have the ac- I didn't have access to the best gear. Uh, a lot of a lot of what I was doing was making do uh, with the best that I had and trying to find. Um, different ways to use equipment that was very accessible. Now, well, let's talk a little bit about after the shoot. So you, these, these 48 cameras fire, and you got CF cards full of all these images that are in perfect registration and perfect sequence. What do you do with all that data? What, what happens after that? Uh, well, it's quite a, bit, quite, a, quite a big process. Um, I mean, I, with my experience of, of um, doing all the post-production for something like RGB Move and then uh, the piece I did uh, on ballet prior to this, um, I had the knowledge base in terms of handling these files. I knew how I wanted to assemble them. I knew how I wanted to color grade them. Um, so it was just a matter of, of selecting the the rotations that I thought were strong enough. Um, the each 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 uh, rotation was made up of forty eight frames. So um, you know it was just just like editing. You know if you're shooting a portrait uh, or some news stuff. Uh, you just go through and you'd be like, I like these 10 out of the 100. Yeah. Uh, and then you don't worry about those 90 because someone's eyes were closed or um, the peak moment of action you know, just wasn't there or a hand was out of place. So mm-hmm. um, it, the editing down at first was, it became pretty apparent. It just was a normal 
edit so are, you, are you dropping the shots into like Final Cut Pro or Premiere or something to kind of sequence them, or is there some pro- some proprietary software? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll walk you. I'll walk you through it. I mean, uh, in the behind the scenes, I I I think I outlined it outlined it uh, fairly clear. But uh, the, the whole process was um, I I handled the photos in Lightroom because that's the program I'm most comfortable and familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has just some great features in terms of of creating like batch exports. Um, so for me, it was just it was selecting the images I wanted to work with, um, outputting master files, um, stabilizing those master files uh, in After Effects, and uh, then exporting into Final Cut Pro for editing. Well, okay. Oh, sorry, I missed <laughs> missed a very massive step. Uh oh. <laughs> Retoucher I worked with wouldn't like that. <laughs> um, the forty eight frames actually uh, had to be. Um, uh, we had to paint out all the cameras that were visible in the original captures, so that was a very big process. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, I see. So I'm looking at a shot. There's nothing behind the guy, but actually, there's a whole uh, right. hemisphere of cameras back there, right? Exactly, right around the feet level. So I wanted to, I wanted to have the the final image within a black space to to really draw attention to the figure and, and kind of almost allude to this, I guess. Or I, the way I think of it is, is almost a you know a digital statue in a sense. It's just this rotating object, frozen yeah, it's like, moment. It's like a reverse uh, QuickTime VR or an object QuickTime VR. Right. <laughs> what uh, what um, was this shot in your studio, or did you find a location for this? Where where what was the location? Um, initially, I'm I'm at uh, I'm at Westside Studio in Toronto, and initially we wanted to shoot it there, uh, but we needed a proper floor for the uh, ballerinas uh, from the National Ballet School. Uh, the Crump dancers, I mean, they perform in uh, you know in in sneakers and, and wherever they wherever they please, they're not really limited. Um, but for a lot of the movement, um, uh, the ballerinas need a proper floor um, just to be able to perform particular moves, to perform on point, uh, as well as just for their general health. So uh, we ended up uh, getting access to Ryerson University's theater school. Mm-hmm. Um, which on their third or fourth floor, they have a very nice big space with the proper uh, dance floor. Very good, very good. And then it all came together. And people, if they want to see that, they can just head over to ryaninhues.com and you've got videos and all kinds of magic stuff about this particular project, correct? Uh, yes, yeah, there's the, there's the two projects, uh, Ballet uh, 360, Crump 360, which make up the 360 project. And then there's uh, um, a, a, a Pretty snappy, but I think in-depth behind the scenes that, that uh, outlines the entire creative and technical process of the 360 project. Very cool. So, what, so that, was, that was the 360. That one's in the can. What are you working on right now? Um, very, very interested in music videos right now. Um, when, uh, that was kind of my first love growing up. And um, there's, I think, some really exciting work being done. Um, and I think that the... The I guess the the medium of music video, especially with with interactive um, uh, right, yeah. elements, kind of emerging. I think I think there's going to be some interesting shifts. So I'd like to be a part of that. Um, at the same time, I also love portrait photography. So I've been keeping busy shooting for a few clients here. And uh, um, next week, I'm going to be down at uh, sh- actually this week on Thursday uh, at Shoot NYC. Um, 
the Broncolor event, uh, 27th and 28th. So I'm speaking there uh, on Thursday. Very cool. Well, you're busy. You are very busy. Very cool. Okay. Well, um, if you if folks want to go check out more of the work that you've put together and these projects and all that, what's again, what's the the place where they can go to to follow you and get inspired by the things that you're doing? Oh, uh, well, uh, best best location to find my work would be my website. It's ryannhughes.com, R-Y-A-N-E-N-N-H-U-G-H-E-S.com. Awesome. And we'll definitely have links to your website and the uh, the different places you mentioned in the blog post for this episode. So thank you, Ryan. I appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. That was Ryan N. Hughes. If you'd like to check out Ryan's work, head over to his website at ryannhughes.com. That's R-Y-A-N-E-N-N-H-U-G-H-E-S.com. That's it for this episode of TWIP. Remember to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe. Head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to all of our online presences. Also, please support the show by leaving us a comment on iTunes. And speaking of iTunes, be sure to check out the TWIP podcast app. It's a handy way to keep up with the shows as they are released. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap this week in photo is a pixelcore.tv production produced by suzanne llewellyn with technical producers john riley and alutha jamakar 